0: What does human trafficking have to do with supply chain? And what can we as supply chain professionals do or how do we get involved? Well, Grant Taylor joined me in last week's episode to talk about how they are related and how our expertise can help dismantle the fastest growing money making industry. Go and check it out at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two episode ninety four.
1: slash Let's Talk Supply Chain.
0: Hello and welcome back to Let's Talk Supply Chain. Happy holidays from all of us here at Let's Talk Supply Chain to all the listeners celebrating this week. We hope the next few days are full of joy, family, friends and good food. I want to give a shout out to Travis Cleveland who is inspiring the next generation of supply chain marketers over at Lake Washington Institute of Technology and congratulate them on a successful semester. Travis has been using our podcast episodes and YouTube shows to learn about supply chain and supply chain marketing as well as using it for business cases for their studies. I love that the content that we are putting together here at Let's Talk Supply Chain is helping in so many different ways and we appreciate you Travis for introducing us to your students. So thank you for that. Today's episode is about working together as a family to solve supply chain challenges. It's a unique story about a supply chain couple that uses their perspectives to benefit their careers and the companies they work for. But first, let's get to the question of the week. This one was so popular that I am going to have to split all of the answers between this episode and episode 96. So the question is, what is your half-crazy, counterintuitive prediction for the next five years in supply chain? Over on the Let's Talk Supply Chain LinkedIn page, Miguel says, last mile delivery plus the growing gig economy plus more delivery vehicles equals a substantial increase in emissions footprint, traffic congestion, and stressed fulfillment delivery windows. He thinks the answer is compact electric delivery vehicles and delivery drones. Adam agrees with Miguel and says, love your two cents. Nathan Wyatt standardized simplified systems and data integrations. Kish, Kishore says, which will be the best solution for calculating inventory turns? Is it by moving average cost or last purchase price? Willie Maritz, improved demand signals with more and more predictive ordering through smart devices, reducing working capital, which will finance full supply chain integration from customer order to supplier order. Over on my LinkedIn page, this is where it got crazy. I think it was something like 80 comments. Um, Amanda Prochaska says, uh, "Here are my predictions. I believe most of what procurement does today will be automated. And even crazier, I think, I think we could have a positive impact on procurement." Allowing, one, most robust relationships to be built. Two, a shift to becoming more and more value-added. Three, procurement to focus on creating differentiated offerings, products, sources of revenue. Wow, Michael Cadio. Environmental, social, and economic impacts will play a large role in how governments regulate the industry. Daniel Stanton, Mr. Supply Chain. Google buys Target and FedEx. Microsoft buys Walmart and UPS. These new mega firms compete with Amazon to be our everything companies. Wow. Anthony says crazy predictions. One Amazon selling space to freight forwarders. Hyperloop-carrying cargo, drone, small parcel delivery, and self-driving truckload freight. Andy Polk, U.S. regulators pressure to break up Amazon. Amazon does it before they are forced to and their retail stock plummets. Wow. Naomi Garniss, rising freight tariffs might just push organizations to cut other costs by finding alternative sourcing or building out organization created supply chain software. Carlos, I wrote in another post about the shortening of supply chains and possibly seeing self-sufficiency in local markets for some products, of course, tending into autarky. Uh, Harsh says, I am nowhere near to claim expertise, but he wants to see what farm to table has done for healthy eating data visibility is going to do for broader supply chain operations and efficiencies i love these new analogies that are coming out from our supply chain management students Um, amit says increased global integrated technology solutions focusing on local market needs And then we've got Kanda, she says, global climate change will cause volatility in supply chains, pricing, and distribution channels. So that's it for now. We're gonna have the rest of the answers to that question on episode 96 coming up next week. Thank you so much for everyone who weighed in. This was a really, really fun discussion. So make sure that you go to listeners corner at letstalksupplychain.com where you will see everybody's comments. Plus I link to everybody's LinkedIn profile so you can get connected with those who have participated. So today I thought we would do something different. As most of you know, I used to work in a family business and some days it was fun, some days it was hard, but most of all, it gave me the chance to find a passion for this industry and surround myself with like-minded people. When I met George, we spoke about his love of the industry and then he mentioned that his wife is in supply chain as well and how they use that to their advantage. And so I thought, Let's hear their perspective on this and how two minds are sometimes better than one. So before we dive in, let's get to know them a little bit more. Allison is a supply chain technology trailblazer that designs and influences strategic supply chain initiatives for Fortune 500 companies. Her expertise is rooted in a deep understanding of optimization and simulation technologies to drive efficiency throughout the entire supply chain. She implements solutions ranging from manufacturing and distribution footprint design, crosstalk implementation strategy, direct store delivery, sales networks, cost to serve analysis, long-term investment and asset planning, and acquisition integrations. She is currently the director of global network strategy at Medtronic. She started out delivering these solutions within the industry during her time at PepsiCo then used her expertise to consult multiple industries and most recently worked at LamaSoft. As a devoted community activist, she uses her supply chain and language skills to serve her surrounding community through programs she is passionate about like No Kid Hungry Engineers Without Borders, the North Texas Food Bank, and PepsiCo's Food for Good Summer Food Distribution Program for Underprivileged Children. George Fowler is Group Vice President at Spinnaker's Supply Chain Business Unit, where he leads the firm's planning systems implementation and managed service practices. An expert in technology-enabled supply chain digital transformation, George has guided the deployment roadmap and process blueprinting technology design and change management integration for APS deployments for more than 75 of the world's most prominent companies across retail, CPG, high-tech, and medical device industries. A three-time recipient of Supply and Demand Chain Magazine's Top 100 Pros to Know Distinction, George has distinguished himself a notable expert with many of the industry's most prominent technologies. So welcome to the show, Allison and
1: George. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having us. We're excited.
0: Absolutely. I mean, it's not every day that I am joined by a supply chain couple. You both work in the industry, working in different functions of the industry. So I'm excited to get to know you, your dynamic, and how those functions intersect. So let's get started. Let's start from the beginning. What drew you into supply chain, George.
2: Well, you know, it's interesting. I started in supply chain long before they even called it supply chain, believe it or not. Um, (laughs) (laughs) They kind of referred to it as logistics and so on. But, you know, it's interesting. I was uh, doing my studies at the University of Maryland. I was a combination of decision information sciences and computer science. And I was at a job fair where I was introduced to a lady who is still my mentor today. In fact, Um, she came by and she explained to me that there is a profession that allows me to use both my technical capabilities and some of the work that I had been doing there, as well as some of the business stuff that I'd learned in the uh, decision information sciences courses at the uh, School of Business. So, of course, that was just the lead in that I needed to kind of find my niche and passion in this industry.
0: Awesome. What about you, Allison? How did you How did you start in supply chain?
1: Well, I didn't start out looking to get into supply chain, as I think many people don't necessarily think that, uh, hey, I want to do supply chain. But I did uh, my undergrad in engineering management science, similar field to George was an engineering school and was completely drawn into operations research courses that I was taking because it really fits into how I approach life. I want to optimize every piece of my life. And when I realized I could apply mathematical models to ensure true optimization in business. I was hooked (laughs) and I took one supply chain intro course. That was the only class I actually took uh, during my master's in operations research. Then I got an internship with Frito-Lay and supply chain. And just through my internship, being able to see the large impact I could have in such a big organization uh, as just one person looking at supply chain analysis. From a very early point in my career, I was, you know, that was it. So I've been doing supply chain ever since then.
0: That's awesome. So I, you know, I hear a lot about engineers in supply chain. Why do you think that so many engineers are drawn to this industry?
1: I think it's a little of what George hit on that, you know, being able to apply your uh, mathematical skills uh, and the, the problem solving skills. That is really what engineering schools teach is that problem solving to different uh, different applications of engineering really fits into supply chain. So it's uh, you know that those skill sets overlap uh, really well and, and build a, a strong supply chain foundation.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So now we're going to talk about you as a supply chain couple. How did you meet? Was it supply chain that brought you guys together?
1: <laughs> yes, actually, uh, our story began uh, in Disney World where most supply chain love stories do, of course. Uh, But (laughs) we we were at a supply chain software conference and we had exchanged some conversation during a keynote. Actually, uh, George had a booth there and we were at his booth. And then from there, we conveniently kept running into each other, the rest of the conference, conveniently or maybe on purpose. (laughs) And we... You know, we we kept the conversation going from there. Uh one interesting thing is George George picked up on the fact that I was doing a lot of work in Latin America at the time. And in order to continue the conversation, he told me he was looking to break into the Latin America market so that we could have, you know, something to talk about. And Wow Yeah. <laughs> let's just say it was seven years later before he actually did any work in Latin America. So. I tried. <laughs>
0: Do you have anything to add to that story, Uh, George, from maybe your point of view?
2: Well, again, you know, I I think we we hit off right away and and I was willing to do whatever it took to uh, spend more time with her, including court companies in Latin America. I guess my lack of Spanish is actually what uh, deterred that conversation. (laughs) Well, there you have it, folks. I I will say that neither one of us, um, you know, got out of that conference probably what we were looking for, but we got more than we really expected. So,
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And there you have it, folks. Anybody who's single in supply chain, not only go to a conference for networking, but you may find love. (laughs) So let's get to the roles that each of you play in supply chain because they are fairly different. So, why don't you tell about tell us about each of your roles in supply chain and how they are different? Allison, we'll start with you on that one.
1: Yeah, so my supply chain career has been mostly on the strategy and network design side. So I started out in industry doing manufacturing footprint optimization, merger and acquisition strategies, production, asset optimization and really was on the, you know, forward-looking piece of the supply chain, more more, uh, one, three, five years out, what should your supply chain look like in the future? And then moved into supply chain design software and consulting and did that for a number of years. And then actually recently moved back into industry to do global network strategy for one of the world's leading med tech companies. So I've always been on that, you know, how to apply supply chain technology to answer the optimal supply chain of the future. And, uh, you know, sometimes have blended into the tactical planning space, which I'll let George can talk about his, but that, that's where my, my uh, experience has been in supply chain.
2: All right. So in, in my uh, background, I, you know, as I mentioned, I started off at the University of Maryland and I had that background of both technical and functional business um, acumen. So for me, my, my story is a little different. I actually started off in software and I started with a company that was moving from um, the, the old mainframe technology footprint to get really into the client server and, and in fact help them make the leap from client server into web based architecture because I had that fundamental understanding of how these solutions would be deployed. At the same time, I also had an understanding of how it would be applied to help companies solve their problems because I had the business background. So it really gave us a really solid fundamental underpinning or understanding of where these technologies are going. So I started off in software helping the company to kind of define its go-forward strategy and, and the technical development of the application. But after an acquisition, I actually moved into uh, actually doing some work with um, their technical services division globally. So I ran a 83-person operation uh, that was uh, both U.S.-based as well as um, Asia-based where we would do the implementation of the software did that for about 13 years. And then uh, about 12 years ago, I joined my my current company, Spinnaker, where uh, they introduced that technology as a new implementation product that we would use to deliver. The company had a really strong background in management consulting. And so by merging the technology capability of that software package and, um, and the management consulting, we were able to build a more comprehensive view of the supply chain where You know, the business process and change management came together with the technology understanding. Since then, we've actually expanded that to include many of the leading both um, tactical planning as well as uh, strategic planning tools like the ones that uh, Allison uses and promotes.
0: Awesome. So it sounds like they are, you know, very different career paths. Um, But it sounds like also that you can you can come together as well. So do your do your backgrounds complement each other? And are you able to resolve each other's challenges with your different perspectives of you know the different roles that you play in the industry?
2: You know, actually, they do. You know, Allison and I have long um, worked together to to solve each other's problems or work with each other on our problems. We have whiteboards around the house. (laughs) That's pretty odd for most couples, but it works for us where, you know, because of our, the two different paradigms that we come from, we're, we see problems differently. In fact, sometimes it creates debate. Sometimes it creates really good synergies that, you know, I think benefit many of our, our clients in the end. Um, as an example, you know, we, we work through problems like, uh, you know, in, in my industry, you know, we work with companies that are doing tactical planning and they they are looking to solve problems through, in many cases, heuristics. Uh, they've set up statistical models that have a whole lot of uh, parameters, a whole lot of rules, and then the heuristics come into play um, to help them make decisions over and over again in a repeatable fashion. Whereas in, you know, Allison's industry, you know, they use a lot of optimization to make high-level decisions and, and use optimization and um, a fair amount of cost analysis and so on to, to make those decisions. So we, we find that by bringing those two together, we really have been able to make a, a dent in how companies do their, their business. Wouldn't, wouldn't you say?
1: Yeah, uh, I think, for instance, to take an example, right? So uh, my husband has been implementing planning systems for the last 25 years as you heard and all those systems when you go to implement them these companies whether it's two three five ten years ago they were built on a set of business parameters and policies that fit the need at the time of implementation and met the business circumstances uh, and assumptions that were in the business at the time. So if you think about like a sourcing, right? So the the planning systems, uh, like George was just mentioning, are using heuristics that they said at the time, hey, you know, based on the demand at this time, here's the source one, two, three that you can can source to fulfill that demand. And that made sense based on availability, based on the cost, based on capacities, lead times at the time of that implementation.
2: As things change, like you're, you know, you go through acquisitions you pick up new um, assets within your network and so on companies have been very slow to go back and optimize those parameters or even change them or even look at them in many cases they operate on an on the same basis that they did 20 years ago and what we found is that there is really an opportunity to kind of leverage the skills that both of us have to actually bring those together you know we've been working on a Maturity model together, we call it the convergence methodology, where you take a combination of the traditional heuristics and statistical model and exception management and merge that together with optimization to improve the parameter settings, to optimize those settings using like things like landed total uh, variable cost and so on to drive real change in the supply chain to look for efficiencies and to, to drive incremental value. Um, and then you know even today you know we work with a number of companies where we're helping to drive where they use machine machine learning you know and ai to find better approaches to use like for instance probabilistic forecasting um, and optimization to to get better values
0: so i just want to jump in there for just one second what is heuristics
2: look heuristics are essentially um, a set of rules so as you, when you're working in most um, of your traditional supply chain planning systems, you set up a combination of rules and policies to say, if I'm outside of this threshold. So for instance, if my inventory is um, my current inventory position is above 10% cut production. If it gets below, or goes into my safety stock, move it up. And, and typically what will happen in those systems, they will actually, um, drive exceptions that you'll see within the system. So it'll let you know what happen- what's going on. And then you'll get the opportunity to, uh, it's more like, it's like an if then. So if this happens, then I want this to happen. Um, so it's a response to that. The problem if you're, if the settings that you're using are outdated or based upon assumptions in the business that are no longer valid, then you get the wrong answer.
0: Okay, yeah, no, I just never heard that that word before, and I wanted to make sure that we gave a good definition to, obviously, the audience that is listening, and I'm, so I'm sitting here listening to you talk about, you know, the household and how you work together, and I'm, I have this picture in my mind, and I want you to let me know if this is right or not, with your whiteboards like, is George writing a question or a challenge that he has on the whiteboard? And then Allison, you're walking by maybe an hour later, taking a look at it and maybe, you know, writing some notes or some thoughts on that challenge.
1: Uh, I think it's a little more collaborative than that. Um, it's, okay. it's, you know, thinking about, hey, I have this business problem and I would solve it using typically I come to the table with, again, my expertise in optimization and he's thinking of how the business processes in the systems have been set up over time, and I'm thinking, well, we can just optimize it and get to a better answer faster. And so it's kind of a like dynamic, ongoing uh, conversation with the whiteboards, and sometimes we even get the kids involved, and they roll their eyes at us.
2: Now the I- oh, that's awesome. <laughs> when we're not in the office, we both we both have offices at the house, so. You can if you can imagine we're in there with our conference calls going on and then someone's knocking at the door. Hey, I've got this problem. And they start. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> we both have a to interrupt each other to draw a picture.
0: <laughs> so you're problem solving not only at work, but you're problem solving at home, you're problem yes. solving with the family. I, it sounds like it's a it's a real family affair. And I bet that the household discussions get pretty interesting. So what That's was the good. supply chain topic that created the biggest argument, George?
2: Oh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting because... For the longest time, because she comes from uh, this is my way of ribbing at her. But becomes, because she comes from the strategic design perspective, I've always had this opinion and right or wrong uh, that in many cases, these can be more academic studies. I've seen companies. That's go wrong. Through, okay. <laughs> <laughs> right. But I've seen companies throughout the years who go through these huge studies, they do them once a year they find out that there's something that they can do differently that is um, more optimal than what they have that will drive um, incremental margin. But there's no compelling event. There's no reason that these guys find to go off and execute this. Whereas in my experience on the tactical planning side, well, I mean, you could talk about it because you make fun of the tactical planning people.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, you know, to me, obviously it's anything but academic, right? I mean, there, there's massive savings and service implications and improvements that I've seen uh, over the years by implementing the results of uh, optimization, network design and, you know it's it's it is about that compelling event that he mentioned but it's also about you know what he said that the fact that the planning systems are outdated and that data is not creating an optimal solution anymore which means there's dollars on the table and those companies need to you know add the you know build on the planning systems that they have but also be able to insert optimization in the places where it will save the money improve service uh, and those kind of things and we've both you know benefited um, by being able to have these conversations and then really the recognition that the two of them together in terms of what George mentioned is convergence uh, is a powerful combination, just like a relationship, right? Being able to recognize your strengths and, and blend those together
2: and work together to solve the problem. Yeah. Absolutely. No, I more, I mean, the, the ability to get back in to these systems that I've implemented 20 years ago that haven't changed over the years and find out what the optimal settings are for running these rules-based engines and so on, is is a powerful dynamic that what we're finding in my industry is, is saving companies tens of millions of dollars that they just didn't recognize that were there. Absolutely.
0: And so, you know, you mentioned it was like a family affair. I know working in a family business, it, you know, supply chain kind of got into my blood. They're not working in the industry yet, but I'm sure they hear all about supply chain, all about the industry at the dinner table. So I'm going to make this a two-part question because I want to know if they are interested in the industry. You said that they roll their eyes, but are they interested in learning more about supply chain? Do you talk about the different opportunities at the table that there are in supply chain? And then my, my second part to this question is, what would be some of your advice to Maybe the next generation, but also other supply chain parents to get their kids excited about the industry.
2: You know, it, it's actually pretty funny because my kids will tell you that they're not interested and they're not paying attention. But when you hear them talk to friends and family, they can describe anything that we're talking about <laughs> very succinctly. Um, you know, my my kids have their passions, but they kind of look at the world probably through the same lenses that we do. They, they do a lot of, you know, trying to make things efficient. I know my, my daughter optimizes her room quite often <laughs> and my son is really good at putting things in tactical order so he can go through his workflow of activities that he needs to do. So, you know, you see them using the capabilities uh, on a regular basis. Uh, anything you want to add to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, most kids aren't thinking about when they get their Happy Meal or their McDonald's, you know, what? where did this come from? What was the sourcing, uh, you know, of that? And I, I think they do. They do see that because they hear uh, with us, both of us working from home and our conversations, they hear that, you know, there's a whole supply chain behind, you know, you getting that end product, anything, right. Even around the, the holiday season, you know, they they realize what goes behind pushing that button on Amazon and a box arrives at your door, right? So they're very aware of that. And, you know, we've gone and done talks at their schools and, you know, it's it's obvious that other kids their age aren't. And so that's a, an interesting you know thing to see with them. And I'd say, you know, for as far as the second part of the question, you know, my advice to uh, you know this the next generation and and how to consider a career in supply chain it would be get get your you know it, it, obviously there's a lot of opportunity in the field we all we all know that um, I, I would say get your a deep technical expertise in a particular function early on uh, like both of us did uh, right and in and, and get that make sure you get that at the beginning, but then also don't be too, don't wait too long to hop to another function, right? If you're gonna start in transportation, don't wait too long to go to warehousing or go to the next function or go to the next uh, technical expertise because supply chain is obviously really moving towards the end-to-end value stream and how you coordinate across that entire value stream. And if you stay too deep in one function for too long, you know, you you won't see how that works together.
2: You know, this is an interesting area where um, my outlook has started to change and it's diverged from learning the the technical aspects or the business functions and really getting down to, one, you do have to have a, a certain level of business acumen. You have to understand how these tools and solutions are being used to help improve the bottom line for companies and, and create a competitive advantage. But I actually think one of the key skills that um, people should really focus on today is really working with others, having empathy, understanding what change management is, helping people to empower them to embrace these technologies. I think one of the things that we take for granted as a family who just really sits around and talks about this all the time, is how, whether it's easy or not, you know, people are leveraging machine learning um, and heuristics and statistics. And these things are intimidating to a lot of people, but it's what's needed to run today's businesses and, and, and again, make them competitive. So building a repertoire of skills that help you to operationalize these on behalf of any company, whether you're working for them or consulting to them, at the same time, having the the bedside manner to to help people embrace them is really a key
0: skill. Absolutely. I would agree with that. And I also think that if you're in an industry outside of supply chain, um, don't get stuck in just your industry, right? I was just talking to somebody who um, went from marketing into supply chain and they thought they were going to be making a career in marketing, but they ended up in supply chain and now they're doing marketing in supply chain. Um, if you look at what I'm doing, you know, I've gone from operations to sales and now I'm in media for supply chain, which traditionally was never even a role that anybody thought would be considered in this industry. So I think that, you know, keeping our options open, keeping an open mind, um, employers looking outside the industry for talent, and also talent looking outside your industry and, you know, taking a look at supply chain from different perspectives. And then from what Allison said, you know, the cross-functional, you know, like make sure that you are, trying different departments because the industry is so robust that you don't want to stay in one place forever. You want to be able to go into different departments and see where you fit, see where your passion lies.
2: I couldn't agree more. By the way, I'm going to play that for my kids. (laughs)
0: All right, Allison. I want to talk to you about women in this industry. How do you feel about women in the supply chain movement? And as a female leader in supply chain, what do you say to young female professionals in the industry?
1: Yeah, so there's there's no doubt that we have a need for greater diversity and women representation in the supply chain industry. Uh, Even though I will say over the last you know, 10 years going to conferences and then working in different organizations, it's improved. Definitely when I go to the conferences now, there's much greater women representation, but within companies, especially at a senior leadership level or even just leadership level, we need to do better, right? Um, we're, We're seeing women enter the supply chain, but those women need support to raise up to the leadership levels. Mm-hmm. Husband and I feel really strongly about this. We've done a series of speaking engagements where we give sort of practical anecdotal anecdotal advice about how to manage being the only person who looks like us in the boardroom. Uh, my husband's a minority, you know. We're on a podcast here, but we, you know, so we we are uh, we relate in that way of you know we're the minorities in the boardroom. And the advice I give most frequently is that you need to find a personal board of directors and that board of directors should include men. And actually mine is mostly men. And what I mean by that is people who you can go to when you have different points in your career to bounce things off of practice, asking for money, practice asking for promotions, practice important presentations or discuss your career moves, right? So all those things that um, a lot of times we tend to go to one person and that person just cheers us on. Well, what I found is having people that, yes, you need your cheerleader, but you also need someone who's going to challenge you and someone's going to teach you and someone's going to call you out and make you better. And, you know, being able to have that, and for me specifically making sure an industry full of men, whether I was in the software full of, full of men or uh, supply chain, right, full of men, it's, uh, you know, having those people and especially men to, that, that can give you that advice in a personal way, um, it's, it's really helped my career and I would encourage, you know, young female professionals to do the same thing
0: great and that's that's really great advice what do you think about um, what do you think female leaders should be doing to help you know the next generation of females in supply chain
1: yes uh, and of course that's that's really important too I mean they they need to be female leaders should be offering their advice um, right discussing those challenges openly and that's where uh, we were we you know giving those anecdotes how have you been able to, you know, get advice from the men around you, get advice from the women around you and understand how to support those women uh, as you move through, right? So there's a lot of the challenges that maybe men don't face um, that they can work together and, and share with, with the women and, and bring them up along with them.
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, for the next generation of women as well, is it, it also starts with them. And I think that's sort of, that's why I love the hashtag women supporting women is because in all aspects, it's not just down to the leader. It's just down to us. You know, let's just support each other more on social media or however it is that we can, we have the ability to support other women. I think that we need to do that from all sides, right? And boost each other up and and um, make sure that they have that support system yes. as well. So I love what you had to say there. And I think that it's really, really great advice um, for not only female leaders, but also the next generation. And I would agree with you, you know, this movement is moving forward and um, we're finding our voices and the industry is, you know, really the better for it, right? Because we all have really great perspectives, really different things um, as, you know, diversity as a whole to bring to the table. So now let's talk about the future. What is next for Allison and George?
1: Okay, so I'll go first. Uh, what, what's next for me is that, uh, as I mentioned, I've, I've come back to industry. And really what I'm looking to do on this side is to pioneer the application of, of, of new technologies, right? So I was on the software side and come back and and wanting to take those, pioneer them, see the results of them come to fruition for a mission and, and products being a part of the healthcare industry now that, that save lives every day, right? So I've, I've truly found that mission uh, and, and believe in that and excited to apply supply chain you know, skills to that. And then I've always been passionate about using my expertise in supply chain optimization to serve the community around me. So I've done work with with food banks uh, and um, you know different organizations that need help, uh, relief organizations uh, using supply chain. So I'll continue to do that as well, and and just you know find my, my mission and my passion through that.
2: Yeah, like Allison, you know, and I think this is something that as a couple we we share a passion for really using supply chain to um, help community organizations. Um, in social industries and so on, to actually um, do better, be more efficient, and, and and really serve the the greater good. And so, I'd like to continue to do that alongside Allison. This is one of those things that we do get to do together. Um, from an industry perspective, you know, I truly have enjoyed where the digital transformation is taking a lot of companies, and being there as as companies. Um, Transform themselves and and really prepare for the economy of the future it has been a passion of mine. So, I, I, in addition to consulting these companies on their day to day operations, we I've been working with a number of companies, both on the vendor side as well as the um, the actual companies themselves, to identify their their go forward roadmap. And and this is something that we've done. For, for efficiency, for competitive advantage, and really for their bottom line. And, and I, I'd like to continue to do that, maybe some more work on the speaking circuit.
0: Awesome. Well, I can't wait to see. I mean, I follow you both on LinkedIn and uh I think that it, it's gonna be amazing to see what really does come next and how you make a difference, you know, with everything that you're doing in supply chain, because in your careers you already have done that. So coming from someone who worked with their family in supply chain, it can really be a challenge, but it can also be extremely rewarding. Allison and George showed us today how you can create a supportive home environment and share a passion for supply chain. For more information about Allison, George, and this episode, please visit Let's Talksupplychain.com forward slash episode 98. Thank you so much, Allison and George, for joining me on today's episode. Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. If you like this episode, check out the woman in supply chain episode I did with Christy Nitchell as she talks about taking over the family business and the challenges she faced. Next week is our final episode of 2019 and you know what that means. We have combed through over 52 episodes that we released this year to bring the best pieces of advice and thoughts from each and compiled them into one episode just for you. So stay tuned next week for this extra special holiday episode. If you'd like to support the show, there's a couple of ways to do that. Follow us. Follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Subscribe to our newsletter over at letstalksupplychain.com. Subscribe on YouTube to the SC Supply Chain TV. And subscribe to us over wherever you listen to podcasts. Next, ships.com. That's S-H-I-P-Z dot I know I said we were ready to launch we are so close so visit and sign up you want to be one of the first to know what we are working on especially if you are a mid-market shipper and a freight forwarder next go to shop under letstalksupplychain.com so much merch um, to go through for your for that special supply chain professional in your life they are going to love some of this stuff plus we've got a supply chain dictionary if you need a dictionary full of acronyms, and definitions to get you through your supply chain career, or maybe even some of your supply chain studies. Go and check that out. That's 107 pages. Next, rate and review the show. Go to iTunes and rate and review the show, and you will be featured on an upcoming episode. Thank you once again for all your love and support. I hope you have an amazing week, amazing holiday season, and remember everybody, ship happens.